Let's pray as we come to read from God's Word. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for being with us. The Holy Spirit is here and we are grateful for his presence. Lord, we ask that he would move powerfully and mightily during this time, Lord God. Speak to our hearts, move in our hearts. May each of us have that sense that you are with us. And I pray that you would change us more and more into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, as we read your word and as I preach. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us on the first day of the year, on your Sunday afternoon. Now, as we enter 2023, I wonder how many of you have New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to ask you to shout out and tell us what they are and make a note of them and check on how you're doing in a month's time. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to make New Year's resolutions. It's a good time to reflect on the year that's gone and what is God going to do in us and through us and, and in our midst in 2023. So I don't think New Year's resolutions are a bad thing. But the truth is that if you have set a New Year's resolution, maybe not in this room, but many people who do set New Year's resolutions will fail in keeping their resolutions. And even if a person succeeds in keeping their resolutions in 2023, when 2024 comes around, they'll have some other things that they need to improve and work on and they'll set some new resolutions. Now, even if someone is the most disciplined person whom you have ever met and they keep their resolutions in 2023 and they keep their resolutions in 2024 and 2025 and onwards and onwards and onwards and every year they keep their New Year's resolutions. Do you know what they'll be doing? They will be changing the outside of themselves. They will be changing the things that they do and changing their actions. Even the very most disciplined person who keeps all of their resolutions will be changing the outside. And if you were to have a conversation with that person who's kept all their resolutions, I think if they were being truly honest, they would say, there are things in my heart that still are not right. Every year I make a change and I'm disciplined enough to see it through. But actually there's something on the inside that isn't quite right. And the reason for that is it's only so far that your will or your resolve will take you. It's only a certain distance that your willpower or your resolve will take you. And so this afternoon, I want to ask a very important question. Where does true change come from? Is it by setting New Year's resolutions every year? Or does God provide another way for us to truly change according to his will? If I want 2023 to be a genuinely new beginning, how is that possible? How is that possible? And I want to answer that question by reading to you from one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible. I want to read to you from John chapter 3. And I'm going to read, I'm not going to read the most famous verse in John chapter 3, um, but I'm going to read to you John chapter 3 verses 1 to 8. A wonderful story and some great teaching from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. It is appropriate at the start of a new year to examine the doctrine of regeneration, this teaching about new birth in the power of the Holy Spirit, to consider the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives and give us new life. What does it mean for a person to be a born again Christian? And what difference should it make to our years ahead? And I'm going to start doctrinally. I apologise for using that word, but I'm going to start doctrinally and teach theologically. And then I'm going to move into the practical. I don't want you to think that this is a stuffy sermon where we're just going to learn theology. This is going to move and get really practical by the end of this sermon, because I believe that new birth in the Holy Spirit will transform our year ahead. The Holy Spirit wants to move mightily in hearts today and change our year ahead. So firstly, let me give you a definition of regeneration. Regeneration is the work of God, the Holy Spirit, bringing new new spiritual life to each and every Christian in their hearts. It is a spiritual rebirth rather than a physical rebirth. So regeneration is the work of God, the Holy Spirit, bringing new spiritual life to Christian hearts. Today I want to preach to you eight theological truths concerning regeneration and five applications. This is, I apologise, forgive me please for making a 13 point sermon for you this afternoon. You're going to wish that you didn't stay up till midnight last night, let me promise you. It will go quickly, it will go quickly. But I want to bring you eight theological truths about new birth in the Holy Spirit and five applications and the way that transforms us in 2023. So let's get cracking, shall we? Eight theological truths concerning regeneration. Firstly, this. Regeneration is entirely the work of God, the Holy Spirit. You cannot bring about new birth yourself. Consider your physical birth. When you were physically born, when you entered into the world for the first time, the birth of your flesh, as Jesus refers to it in John chapter three. How much work did you do in that moment? Well, the answer is zero. Your mum did a lot of work, but you yourself did not very much, if anything, at all. Well, it is the same with your spiritual birth. The spiritual birth is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Have a look at John 3, verse 8, where Jesus describes this amazing thing. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Do you see? The wind blows where it wishes, and so too the Holy Spirit moves where he wishes. You do not control the wind, says Jesus. It blows wherever it wants to go. It is the same with the Holy Spirit. You cannot control him. 
but he moves according to his will, according to his wishes. The same idea is expressed in John 1, verses 12 to 13. At the beginning of his gospel, this is what John writes. This is, if you read John 1, this is the central two verses of the whole chapter of John 1. And this is what John says. To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so John's saying this is a birth of God. This is the will of God at work in the new birth in the Holy Spirit. And so that's the first theological truth that we need to know about regeneration. It is God the Holy Spirit's work, entirely his work and not yours. This is the second thing we must see. When the Holy Spirit brings new birth, he cleanses us. He washes us from our sin. In verse 5, Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, throughout the rest of the chapter, he just talks about the Spirit, being born by the Spirit. But he says in verse 5, you must be born of water and the Spirit. So what is he talking about when he mentions water? Now, some have understood this verse to be speaking about the waters of baptism. You, you must be born of water in water baptism and the Spirit, otherwise you can't see the kingdom of God. But this cannot be true. This cannot be true. Consider the thief on the cross who had no time to receive water baptism. He believed in Christ upon the cross hanging next to him and Jesus said to him, you will be with me in paradise. He did not receive water baptism. So this water in John 3 verse 5 can't be the waters of baptism because Jesus says if you're not, if you're not born of water then you cannot see the kingdom of God. Would someone like to let my wife in? He's been working. <laughs> Some others think that water refers to physical birth. That Jesus is saying you need to be born of water as in you need to be born physically and then you need to be born spiritually by the power of the Holy Spirit. But this can't be correct either. Firstly, to be born of water is a weird way of talking about physical birth, given that in the very next verse, he says born of flesh. He uses the word flesh to talk about physical birth. But secondly, what about unborn children? Do we think Jesus would say to unborn children, you cannot see the kingdom of God? No, we don't believe. We believe in a merciful God and a fair God. So we don't believe that water refers to physical birth. No. Here in John 3 verse 5, Jesus uses water as a metaphor for the way the Holy Spirit washes and cleanses a person in the new birth. You must be born of water, you must be cleansed, washed by the Holy Spirit, and you must be born of the Spirit. Titus 3 verse um, 5 speaks about regeneration. This is what it says, God saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Consider also Ezekiel 36, which is a prophecy about this amazing new birth in the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, and this is what the prophet writes to us. God speaking, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, can't say that word, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give, uh, uh, I remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, 
and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So do you see that passage in Ezekiel? It talks about cleansing with water, a sprinkling of water, and it talks about the Holy Spirit being put within you. And so Jesus is saying, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Ezekiel 36 being fulfilled, the water washing you, cleansing you, the Holy Spirit doing that like water, but also a new heart and a new spirit put within you. So when the Holy Spirit comes on a person, when new birth, when regeneration happens, there is a washing of sin and a cleansing of our hearts. But it's not just a washing. It's not like if I took a dirty window pane at the back and just gave it a scrub. That, this isn't, that isn't just what's happening. There's a washing happening, but there's something altogether more dramatic and wonderful that happens in regeneration and the new birth. And this is my third point. The Holy Spirit brings new birth. In verses 3, 5, 6 and 7, Jesus uses the phrase born again over and over. He's talking about being born again. So much so that Nicodemus asks a really stupid question. Can I go up, back up into my mother's womb and be born a second? Like, he's going, what does it mean to be born again? This isn't just a Christian getting a quick wipe down by the Holy Spirit but it is a new birth moment. New spiritual life is being brought forth by the power of God the Holy Spirit in the heart of a Christian believer. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this has happened to you. The Holy Spirit has come into your heart and there's been new birth, a new birth moment in you. To illustrate just how dramatic this moment is, some other passages in the Bible don't speak about a new birth but rather speak about death and resurrection. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 6, verses 5 to 11. For if we have been united with Christ in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who, has been, one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that passage teaches us? Is if you are a born again Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have died with Christ upon the cross and you have been raised to newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a new birth moment or this is a resurrection moment in the power of God, the Holy Spirit in the heart of a believer. Whatever words you want to use, whether you want to talk about new birth in the power of the Spirit or you want to talk about your death and your resurrection in the power of the Holy Spirit, isn't this just a glorious, glorious teaching? The power of God transforming us. This is a new beginning. This is a real new beginning, not just a resolution at the start of the year. This is a glorious inner heartfelt transformation by the power of God. And my fourth theological truth is not in John 3 explicitly, but it is in the Romans 6 passage I've just read to you. So my fourth theological truth is this. The Holy Spirit connects us 
or unites us to Christ in his death and his resurrection. Did you notice that in Romans 6? It didn't just say, hey, you died and you've been risen again, you've been resurrected. No, it said your old self was crucified with Christ. Hang on a second, though. I wasn't physically there. I wasn't the thief on the cross hanging next to Jesus. In what sense was I crucified with Christ? Well, certainly not physically. It wasn't a physical crucifixion. But it was a spiritual reality that the Holy Spirit took what Christ did upon the cross and brought it from 2,000 years ago in the past into my reality here and now in my heart. So I can truly say to you, I have been crucified with Christ, not physically, but by the connection of the Holy Spirit, by the union with Christ that I receive by the Holy Spirit's power. And not only was I connected to his death upon the cross so that my old self has been crucified with him, but I've also been spiritually connected to his resurrection. So his newness of life that he had in his resurrection is given to me through the Holy Spirit's power. Romans 6 uses that word unite. In the new birth, you were spiritually united to Christ. You became part of his spiritual body. He is the head of the body and you are the arms and the legs and the fingers and the toes and the organs. You're you're part of that body because the Holy Spirit who has come to you in the moment of regeneration has made you part of the spiritual body with Christ. And so we say, Our old self is dead. It died with him upon the cross. And our new self rose with him in newness of life. So, says Romans, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. The fifth theological truth that happens at the moment of regeneration is that the Holy Spirit gives faith in Christ. The feeling of new birth. What does new birth feel like? Or what's the true sign that you have been born again by the Holy Spirit? It's that you have faith in Christ. How do you know you've been born again? Well, the first sign is faith in Jesus and faith in his death and resurrection. Now, if you read on in John chapter 3 and some of the verses that I didn't read to you, you come to verse 15, you come to verse 16 and you come to verse 18 and each of those verses speaks about belief in Christ. Now why, why is that? Why is it that the first half of John 3 is about being born again in the Holy Spirit and then the second half of the verse is about believing in Christ? The famous verse John 3 16 says, says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So first half, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Second half, you must believe in Christ to have eternal life. But why, why that difference? It's surely this, that they are connected. That all who have been born again by the Holy Spirit believe in Christ. So they see this in kingdom of God. They enter into eternal life. They're given the gift of eternal life. If you've been born again by the Holy Spirit, you will believe in Christ. And if you believe in Christ, that is only possible through the indwelling Holy Spirit who has given you the gift of faith so that you are believing in him and you will enter into eternal life. You will see the kingdom of God because of the power of the Spirit and because of your belief. Those two things are not two opposites. They are one and the same in a sense. When you have new birth, you have belief. When you have belief, you have new birth. All who are truly born again believe in Christ. Sixthly, 
the Holy Spirit in the moment of regeneration resides in the hearts of believers. The Holy Spirit does not come for a moment, bring new birth, bring regeneration, and then instantly run away and disappear from the believer's hearts. He remains and dwells within them. Let me read you some other verses from Romans chapter 8 to you. Romans 8 verses 9 to 11 says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you belong to Christ... The spirit of God dwells in you. And this moment of regeneration was the moment you became a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where the Holy Spirit will dwell in your heart forever and ever and ever. This is glorious news indeed, isn't it? The spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in you. If you have received new birth in the Holy Spirit, he brings cleansing and washing from sin. He brings new birth, new life, resurrection, and he dwells within you eternally. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified and honoured, lives in me and you. Well, the seventh theological truth of regeneration is this. Those who are reborn in the Holy Spirit are changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The first evidence of new birth is faith, but another evidence that you've been born again is change. The Holy Spirit cleanses you and dwells within you, and over time he changes you to be more like Jesus. You grow in the fruit of the Spirit, in love and joy and peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in faithfulness, in gentleness and self-control. The Holy Spirit is not just there to have a nice time in your heart, he is there to transform you, to be more and more like Jesus day by day by day. Well, my eighth theological truth, and perhaps the most important of all, is this. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. You are not saved unless you have been born again by the Holy Spirit's power. If you have been born again, you are saved and you are seeing something of the kingdom of God now here in, here in this room, in this place. God is working in your heart and your heart. The kingdom of God is beginning to grow and expand. You have started to see the kingdom of God and one day Christ will return and you will see the kingdom of God in all its glory, in all its realisation here on the earth. You will and are seeing the kingdom of God if you have been born again by the Holy Spirit's power. But if you have not received the new birth, you will not enter the kingdom of God. You will not enter into eternal life. This isn't, this isn't like a negotiable thing where Jesus goes, hey, you could be born again. It might be nice if you were born again, but it doesn't really matter. No, Jesus is firm here. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. So eight theological truths about the doctrine of regeneration. Regeneration is entirely the work of God, the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit cleanses us and washes us. The Holy Spirit brings new birth in us. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ and his death and his resurrection. The Holy Spirit gives faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells within believers. The Holy Spirit changes us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And finally, you cannot be saved without new birth in the Holy Spirit. But what difference do those eight truths make? And why am I preaching it to start 2023? Well, I think it makes a huge difference to believe this. Huge difference, if this is true. And I want to bring five applications to you this afternoon. Firstly, this. If you are not born again by the Holy Spirit, cry out to God for mercy and ask him to do it in you. We have seen that new birth is necessary for salvation. If you don't receive new birth, you cannot be saved. And we've seen that new birth is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. So what can you do? If it's entirely the work of the Holy Spirit, what can you do? Well, the answer is cry out in desperation. Lord, I, I, I do not want to perish in my sin. I do not want to be lost without you. I want the salvation that Jesus Christ has offered. Please, Lord, in your mercy, give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be born in me today and transform my heart. If you have not received new birth in the Holy Spirit, cry out to him that he would do it in his will so that you might be transformed and receive this glorious, glorious gift. If you are not a Christian, but you admire people of faith or you wish you could believe, and some of my non-Christian friends say this to me, I wish I could believe like you, Duncan. Well, if that's you, now is not the time to listen and do nothing. Now is the time to cry out and say, God, please, if this is a good thing, if I admire this if, this, if I wish I could believe, then I might as well just ask that you would do something. And may God answer that prayer and the Holy Spirit move where he wishes to bring new life into your heart. My second application is this. If you are a born again Christian, rejoice and be so so thankful. Your new birth had nothing to do with you and everything to do with the will and power of the Holy Spirit. We have so much to thank God for in the year that's just gone and so much to thank God for in the year that is ahead. He's going to do amazing things. But certainly high up on that list of things we have to thank God for and rejoice in is that the Holy Spirit has brought new life into our heart, that he lives within us. Christians should be thankful and rejoicing in every circumstance because we are filled with the Holy Spirit and given new life because of him. That is something to say thank you to Jesus for probably every single day, at least every single day. My third application is this. In 2023, partner with the Holy Spirit to grow in faith and the fruit of the Spirit. Do not make your New Year's resolutions dependent upon your resolve and your willpower or they will fail. But rather open yourself up to the person of the Holy Spirit who is dwelling within you and ask for change. 
resolutions might still be good. The Holy Spirit works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So believing in the Holy Spirit doesn't just mean I'm going to do nothing and wait for him to do his work. No, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, he gives us that that drive to go and do better and grow in love and joy and faith. So it's not about not like crossing out all your resolutions and throwing them away. It's about saying, actually, I can't change myself, but the person of the Spirit dwells within me. He's already transformed me and he's going to transform me even more into the likeness of Christ. I want to be more loving. I want to be more joyful. I want to be more patient and kind and good and faithful. How am I going to do that? Well, not in my own strength, but by the Holy Spirit who dwells within me, transforming every fibre of my being. And that's my prayer for 2023, that I would just be open to his work and he would work in me both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Nowhere change comes from. It comes from him who is within you if you are a Christian. Do not try and change alone, but in relationship with him who dwells in your heart. My fourth application is this. Let us be dependent upon God in prayer and confident in evangelism. Now, John 3 teaches me that salvation of my friends and family does not depend upon me. The salvation of my friends and family does not depend upon me. It depends upon the work of the Holy Spirit bringing new life. So you might think that John 3 persuades me to give up on evangelism, to be complacent and lazy in sharing the gospel and telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. Why should I bother? If it's God's work, then why should I bother doing anything? But do you know what? I am yet to meet the Christian who is walking in the spirit, who is lazy and complacent in evangelism. That is not the That's not the impact of this passage on my mission. The Holy Spirit dwells within me and he stops me from being lazy and foolish and giving up on evangelism. And you know what? I long to worship and glorify my God who has saved me. Do you know evangelism isn't, I don't evangelise because salvation depends upon me. I evangelise because I love God. And it is my joy and my pleasure to obey his instructions in my life. And he says, go and make disciples. That's one of his instructions to me. So it's my pleasure, it's my worship to glorify him by sharing the gospel, by evangelising to my friends and family, to work hard. Do you know, when I, when I preached at the carol service, a slightly different sermon aimed at the guests and visitors, and I was delighted to see people come for the first time. Do you know what I didn't think? I didn't think, man, this better be really good, Duncan. People, otherwise nothing's going to happen in the room if I don't get this sermon spot on. No, what I thought was, I'm going to do my best for God. And I know even if I'm terrible, God's going to have his way because salvation depends upon him. So, in 2023... Let's be totally dependent upon God in prayer in our evangelism. How often are you lifting up your friends and family, desiring that be, them be saved? You can't change their hearts. Sometimes I wish I could just reach in and go, come on, switch the light on. please." But no, but God can. God can. So I should be totally dependent upon him in prayer in 2023. I want to pray more this year than ever before for the people whom I love, who do not know Jesus as Lord and, and Saviour. And I pray that be true of our church, that we'd be totally dependent upon God in prayer but also that we would be confident in evangelism and bold. Because it doesn't matter how good you are at evangelism. It doesn't. It doesn't. 
I, I can tell you, some of my friends who've become Christians, I made all the mistakes in the book. Often I'd preach them about predestination and these really deep theological things that they had no understanding of. And, and probably in what I was doing, I was pushing them further and further and further away. And yet God, in his mercy, in his sovereign will, transformed hearts. And you will make loads of mistakes in evangelism. You will go too strong and, be, and, and push people away by being too overt. And you'll make the opposite mistake as well. You'll be too sheepish and mousy and, and, and go, oh, shrink back from that opportunity. I want you to be confident because it doesn't depend on how good you are at evangelism. It depends on the work of the Holy Spirit. And that gives me such confidence. I refer to the carol service again. In, in fact, the first time I ever preached, I, I wasn't confident because I was a good public speaker. I got laughed out of a classroom in school in debating competition where I said the word and stuff at the end of every sentence that I said. I was terrified. I was rubbish. But when I stood and preached in a church, there was just a confidence that God might use my humble offering to do something good. And that's my heart in evangelism as well. I'm going to share a little bit about what I know of God. I'm going to show someone love and care and kindness. I do my best, and it probably won't be very good. But God will do something great with it and in the person. That's so freeing. That's so confident. Every single person in this room who has been filled with the Holy Spirit can do awesome things in making disciples of their friends and family. I, oh, I pray so much that 2023 for this church would be a year where every single one of us feel that boldness and confidence to know that salvation depends upon God and to just do what we can. He's surrounded you with friends and family and people who you love for a reason. Be confident in God. Now, finally, my final application is this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again in 2023. Consider the apostles in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon these apostles and they, they speak in tongues and Peter stands up and preaches the gospel and 3,000 people get added to the church in one day. The Spirit came in power. They'd received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. What happens in Acts chapter 4? They pray and the Holy Spirit comes and shakes the room and the Apostles are once again filled with boldness to go on preaching the gospel for evangelism. They had the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. They had received the Holy Spirit's power once and yet it was God's desire and God's will that they be filled again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you may have been filled with the Spirit, perhaps even this morning or perhaps an, a long time ago in your past. You, you knew a moment where the Holy Spirit came upon you in power. You knew the moment where you were reborn in the Holy Spirit and you believed in Christ. You have got the Holy Spirit living inside you. And yet there is a, a, a command, a, 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 an expression, an invitation in Scripture that you be filled over and over and over again by the Holy Spirit's power. Now what is happening when that happens? The Holy Spirit is a person, not a liquid. So he doesn't leak out of you so you no longer have the Holy Spirit. That's not what happens. Rather, what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
your fibres and your heart and your mind are being opened up to the person who already dwells within you. And so it feels like you're being, the, the Spirit's being poured out over you like a liquid because he's starting to impact and change you and transform you. So you haven't leaked, you haven't lost the Holy Spirit. He's still dwelling within you. And yet he has much to do in you and through you. And so we talk about the Holy Spirit being poured out. We talk about being filled with this Holy Spirit again because we have these moments where we just open up to his presence within us and he has his way. And that's what we want for this year, isn't it? We want to be filled over and over again with the person of the Holy Spirit so that he shapes us and directs our steps and transforms who we are. And so this is where I'm going to end, with an invitation that, if I'm honest, I'm expecting everybody to respond to, which is this. Do you want 2023 to be a moment full of the power and presence and work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life, in and through you. And if so, would you respond this afternoon by coming to get some prayer? Let's stand together, every one of us. If you want to get prayed for today, that you would be filled for the first time or filled again with the power of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to invite you to move. I think it's God's providence that we have a wide open aisle here this morning. It's not just because of the projector that broke as we were setting up. Rather, I think it's because God wants us to move into the aisles. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to be prayed for, would you move into the aisle and say, yes, this is what I want 2023 to be about. Or move to the side if you're on that side. Let's move and respond and say, yes, I want to get prayed for. As I say, if, if you're not responding, then I'll just stand there and everyone can just pray for me that I would get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's move now and say, yes, this is what I want 2023 to be about for me I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power come on guys you all stood still it's crazy who does not want to receive the person of the Holy Spirit and be moved (laughs) if you can't move that's okay stick your hand up right okay and now if you're comfortable with the people around you just ask them before you do this but why don't you lay hands on someone next to you because hopefully we're all responding and and often we like one person was responding we'd lay hands on them and pray that they would receive the holy spirit but we're all gonna have to pray for one another here so if you're comfortable let's lay hands on each other and i'm gonna pray and you're gonna pray for the person who you're laying hands on hopefully they'll be praying for you as well and we'll see what happens no no um no mess here let's just see what happens let's pray that god is going to pour out his holy spirit in this moment i'm loving the circle that's happening that's beautiful heavenly father we thank you for the gift of regeneration and the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit who brings new life and transformation into the hearts of Christian believers. And Lord, I want to pray firstly, if there's anyone here who has not received this glorious, glorious gift, who has not been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, come now in your might, in your will, in your power, in your glory and your love and bring new life into the hearts. May there be faith born in the hearts of anyone in that situation right now, Lord God, that they might believe in Christ for salvation. And now, Lord, as Christians, we rejoice that we have received the person of the Holy Spirit and we lift up our hands or pray for the person next to us or whatever, Lord, and just say, we, we want to be filled now by your power. Holy Spirit, come in this place, we pray, Lord God. Open us up to be flooded, to be overwhelmed by his glorious love 
in this place. Lord, may we grow in the fruits of the Spirit, Heavenly Father. May we increase in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come move in us, we pray. Move in brothers and sisters, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We ask for more, Lord. We ask for more. We thank you that we are not leaky, but that the Holy Spirit is within us. But we ask for more, a a greater understanding of who he is and his presence with us, Lord God. Please come in this place, we pray. Lord, we want to dedicate 2023 to you. You are a God of glory and power and might. You are magnificent in all your ways. And you have saved us by the washing and refreshing of the Holy Spirit so that we believed in Christ, so that we have entered into the kingdom of God and we're seeing its power and it's coming now. We have have the gift of eternal life and we will have forever and ever. Lord, we thank you. We pray that the Holy Spirit would empower us to live for you every second of every day of this year, Lord God. We've seen you do great things in our past. We've seen you move in small ways and great ways. But Lord, we ask for more in 2023. We ask for more of your fruit in our lives. We ask for more fruit in terms of salvations in this town, Lord God. We ask for greater boldness in evangelism. Give us confidence, Lord. Give us trust and dependence upon you. Transform this place through us Lord God we know we can't do it we can't change hearts but you can and so we ask Lord 2023 is your year where we're going to live for you here we are Lord God use us we pray use us we pray Just give you a minute. If you've got a prayer for yourself or the prayer for the person you're praying for, then just pray it either silently or out loud, whatever you feel comfortable with. Just for a moment, we'll just wait. Father, thank you that you hear the prayers of our hearts. And we ask now, Lord God, that you would send us out from this place full of the Holy Spirit, reborn in the Spirit's power, dead and resurrected in the power of the Spirit, that we might honour you, bless you and glorify your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.